Let's read the Bible. I love the Bible. Matthew chapter 2. Hmm. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Some of you were following along with the quizzes on the screen. Anybody learn? No, I'm just kidding. You, didn't, you knew that. He was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Henry. No, that, that was the wrong answer. Herod, King Herod. About that time, some wise men on very fast camels, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed. Could you all say that phrase with me? Deeply disturbed. When he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem, he called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law, and he asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Amen, amen. He came. Same one, baby in a manger. Same one hanging on the cross. Die for your sins. He came. And ever since he came that first time, when he comes, he has a way of disturbing the status quo, of disrupting our comfort zone. And when he shows up, just like in this, when he shows up, he has a, a habit, a, a custom of showing up and very and making us feel uncomfortable. Anyone? Making you feel uncomfortable, like I got this thing sorted, I got things figured out, I know what I'm gonna do, I know what the job, I know what the relationship, I know, I know all the things, and then Jesus shows up and like, you sure you know that? You sure you got that all sorted? And, and the king, he was deeply disturbed because, why? Because Jesus was disrupting the status quo. King Herod, he had been using that language, king of the Jews, He'd been carrying that title for about 30 years. So if someone shows up at your office and they start calling themselves, you're the vice president, and they say, uh, now I'm the vice president, is that going to make you uncomfortable? Disrupting the status quo. And Jesus also, he comes in unexpected ways, right? Because he's like, where does he come from? What, what city did he come from? What, what city? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. But it, city is an exaggeration because we're talking hillbilly country. Like out there, in the, like Pastor always says, I come, uh, I'm a part of my hillbilly vernacular. Um, we're, the, the Bethlehem, they, were the, they had hillbilly vernacular. I mean, I'm sure it sounded a little different than Eastern Kentucky, but they had it, right? And so everybody's like, Bethlehem? Can we even believe? Nothing's good ever come out of there. Nothing exciting's ever happened in Bethlehem. And so it was completely unexpected. And then the, the, the last thing that was really different that Jesus did, see, he had an agenda that was completely foreign to the world, completely foreign, because King Herod's listening to him, and they're saying, hey, where's the Messiah coming from, the new king of the Jews, even the prophecy says he will rule, and King Herod's tracking, yep, kings, we rule, king of the Jews, we rule, we have authority, 
And then he said he'll be, he will rule and be a shepherd to my people Israel. And see, what you got to understand is King Herod, he did not rule like a shepherd. He was a mad tyrant king. And so when they said he's, Jesus is coming, he's a king, he's a ruler, but he's going to shepherd my people? Like that was totally foreign to him. He's like, these guys are not wise. These must be the foolish three men. Because that did not compute for him. Kings aren't loving and shepherding. They rule with an iron fist, right? Now here's the crazy part. I wanted to amplify that because he's still coming and disrupting our status quo, isn't he? And he's coming and he wants to disrupt our status quo. You know what's crazy? We want to hang on to the status quo. We're like, nah, I got this, Jesus. I, I know what I'm doing. I got this figured out. I got this sorted. I like, I've, I've figured some things out. Like, now I know what I'm doing, Jesus. I, I, like, I got this. And has anybody looked around and noticed the new normal of our world? Like the status quos that you can see all around you? Now, see, it's easier when I project it and say, look at all those people. But have you ever, have you noticed, have you been honest enough, courageous enough to look in your own life and to face reality that maybe some of the status quo in my own life isn't really what I want to hang on to? Normal things like stress, overwhelm, depression, that's, that's normal, right? That, that, that's, how you doing? I'm tired, I'm worn out. I mean, have you walked up to somebody and said, how are you doing? And they're like, I am filled with joy and peace. I love my life and I love you. Is it, like if somebody responded to you like that, what you gonna be like, oh, what are you smoking? Like, do I smell something? Because stress, overwhelm, and depression is normal. What else is normal? Um, Scarcity and fear and uncertainty, like the fear of the unknown. I mean, come on, we're coming in election year and like, I'm not going to talk politics, don't get nervous. There's a lot of unknown, a lot of uncertainty. And some of us are still reeling from three years ago about that in March, something happened, people talk about it a lot. And it created a, a, a... drastic shift of status quo, right? And we're kind of settling in. And now like we're looking around and some things are normal that we don't want to be normal. Things like isolation. Like several mentioned last weekend, if you missed it, just mark your calendar for next year because this year it was the most epic snowball fight in the history of snowball fights. Oh my goodness, it was amazing. And my observation was I looked around and I saw everybody laughing and playing and the kids got tired of throwing snowballs. And guess what? The grown-ups kept going. And when Zach said he hit a bunch of kids in the face with a snowball, I don't think he's joking. I hit Miss Linda wherever she's at and I almost felt bad, but I gave her a couple snowballs to throw them back and then I just fired her up again. But... Why, why was that so significant last week? And we've had parties the last couple of weeks and tree lightings and cookies and camels and all these kind of different things. Why is that so important? Because the world has been living in isolation and loneliness. And when you see something like that and you, some of you, you feel it in this room and you're hungry for it and you desire it, but you ain't got it. 
because you've held on to your status quo. Because I can protect and self-preservation, and if I don't get close enough, then they won't hurt me. And some of you, you come in here on a Sunday morning, and, and you've got so much baggage of shame and guilt and, reg- and regret. Maybe you grew up in religion, and like, so you just have this heaviness of, I'm not worthy. I've messed up. In fact, could everybody in the room just raise your hand for a second? Just, I'm not going to make you stand up like Travis. These are all the people that have messed up. These are all the people. Look, look around. Just, just get a good look at everybody. They've done some stupid stuff. Look at somebody and say, you've done stupid stuff. Just tell them. <laughs> Spouses, you weren't supposed to enjoy that as much, okay? But we deal with that, and we never get a way to get out of it, and so our normal, our status quo becomes, I'm ashamed. I feel guilty. I'm overcome with regret. And see, that's why today is so important. That's why this season is so important because it's not about just lights on a Christmas tree or on your house and decorating cookies. Those things are great. It's awesome. Eat your cookies and your hot cocoa and bring me some too. But the reason today matters is because all of history hinges on that baby born in a manger that grew up and got older. You want to tell us how this goes, Zach? Grew up and lived a perfect, sinless life. Went to the cross for the penalty of your sin and my sin because, listen, someone had to be punished for our mistakes. Someone had to. And because he was perfect, sinless, the lamb without spot or blemish, he was able to go to the cross and be the perfect, sinless sacrifice so that once and for all... Your punishment was taken on him at the cross. And you see, this is so important because it's, this season reminds us of what life is really all about. That when Jesus came, everything changed. See, because Jesus came, you get to live in light instead of darkness. See, I don't care how heavy that darkness is, how Some of you got to be, how permanent that darkness feels. All you got to do is just give give Jesus a little opening. Just open up enough and say, I'm I'm willing to receive your light. Listen to this verse in Isaiah 9. This is a prophetic passage in the Old Testament about Jesus. And it says, when Jesus comes, this is how it describes it. The people who walk in spiritual darkness will see a great light. Those who live in the dark land, the light will shine upon them. Woo! You ain't got to live in darkness. The light has come. Stop keeping it at arm's length. Stop acting like, like, listen, some of you walked in here today and you're all smiling and shining and bright, happy people. That's a lyric. Anyways, you're here and you're like, hey, I'm good. Merry Christmas. But what we're talking about, that spiritual darkness, that's not about external appearances, is it? That's on the inside. And here's what I'll tell you, and, and all of you know this. When we try to compensate, make up for the internal darkness with things on the outside, the darkness on the inside just gets darker. 
You can't do it. There's not a way for you to do it on your own. The only path for you to go from, light, from darkness to light is to say, let the light come on in. Let Jesus fill your heart with the light of his love. Look at somebody and say, you're loved. Number two, I'm going down this. I just got three quick little reasons why Jesus is the greatest gift. Number one, because he shifted you from light to darkness. Number two, because of Jesus, there's always good news. Everybody say, good news. There is always good news. There, there's not bad news in Jesus. There's good news in Jesus. The gospel is good news. And, and when we read that verse in the beginning, and I highlighted that Jesus came as a shepherd king. See, some of you, it's hard to, to initiate or, or welcome Jesus in because you had some religious baggage and you relate more to the tyrant king of King Herod than you do to the shepherd king of Jesus. You relate to a God and you think of God as a punisher and he's up in heaven with a big stick waiting to see you mess up and that's not the God I serve. That's not the God of the Bible. He's a God that loves you. He's not a shamer. He's a grace giver. He loves you just the way you are. Blue, even if you lose the camel race, he still loves you. He still loves you. He lo Listen, and I, that's silly, but some of you got some conditions of, well, he'd love me if. And he loves you no matter what. Look at somebody and say, no matter what. So, listen, look at that person. They might need to hear this. Tell them, no matter what. He loves you. But I think the biggest thing, the, the best part of the good news, wait, wait, let me, read a, let me read a verse on that one real quick. Jumping down in Isaiah 9, verse 6 now, it says, talking about Jesus, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of peace. See, he is the wonderful counselor. He's the counselor that says, it's going to be all right. I have not left you. I have not abandoned you. I, I know you might think and feel that or circumstances might look that, but your wonderful counselor says, I got you. I haven't forgotten you. I'll never, ever abandon you. And some, you've, you've taken your own path for a while, and you think he ain't going to welcome you home. See, that hillbilly bad actor, he just comes in there. He th you think he ain't going to welcome you home, and he's like, come home to daddy. I love you. I love you. I love you. Good news. I'm a wonderful counselor. He says he's a mighty God. There is nothing more powerful in this world than him. And when we get a revelation that the strong hand of God the Father is fighting on our behalf, like you, your chest might pump, pump out a little bit because he's got you. As pastor tells us all the time, listen, if it's yours, then you got to take care of it. But if it's his, if it's his mighty power living on the inside of you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of me. The works he did, I can do even greater works because he's on the inside of me. See, if it's his mighty power, that's good news. Everybody say good news. He says he's an everlasting father. Some of you have had an earthly father that nearly destroyed that image. And I just want to say, it doesn't, 
I'm sorry. You may never get the apology from your dad. But I'm sorry it happened to you. But your everlasting father has such unconditional love for you. Unconditional. Unconditional. And if you would just open yourself, this is the good news of Christmas. The child came so that you could have a father that you never had, a perfect father who loves you. And then that last part of the Prince of Peace. Ooh, ooh, anybody need some peace? Peace that circumstances can't touch. And, and this is gonna become more and more important in these days because the world's gonna go more and more into chaos and there's gonna be more and more uncertainty and more and more reason to have fear and we're gonna be able as children of God to stand right in the middle of it the Prince of Peace, I'm good. He might not calm the storm all around us, but he can calm us in the midst. Perfect peace, perfect peace. Say that out loud, say perfect peace. And here's the last thing I just wanna say to you. Because Jesus came, you and I, we get to be sons and daughters of God our Father. Whether you're a son or daughter, speak accordingly. Say, I am a son, I am a daughter on the count of three. One, two, three. First John 3, 16, and then I'm gonna jump back to verse one. It says, this is how we discovered love's reality. This is out of the Passion Translation. This is how we discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. The first pastor read, he didn't come to condemn the world, he came to save the world so that we could have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Then verse one, it says, <laughs> look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He didn't hold anything back. He lavished it on us. He has called us and made us. See, he didn't wait for your cooperation. He just, he made you his very own beloved children. Everybody say, I am beloved. Say, I am loved. On your best days, one more get help. On your best days, on your worst days, pastor's been, I don't know if you've been singing it when you're not on stage, but he's been quoting that lyric from a, Song, it's a deep spiritual truth. I'm not gonna sing either. We know our gifts. Pastor Steph's got hers. We, we got ours. We're not gonna sing. On your best days? On your worst days? Now, how many parents in the room? How many parents, you can all just keep your hands up, have had children who have done stupid things that make you want to... Yeah, all the parents. And on their... Pierce, he's raising his hands pretty big there. Um, listen, listen. On their worst days, did any of you parents consider completely, utterly disowning them, telling them, I don't love you, I don't care about you? Even if you had to set hard boundaries, you still didn't say, I don't love you, right? You still didn't say, you're not mine. And see, we can understand that as earthly parents, but why do we have such a hard time 
of not receiving that love, that position of who we are in Christ Jesus because Jesus came and went to the cross. You are a child of God. There's nothing you can do to mess that up. Nothing in this world, nothing in any other world can separate you from the love of God. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you right where you're at. But if you would take hold of that identity, if you would sit in and walk in and live in the identity that I am a child of God. See, my kids don't have to worry that just because they did something stupid that they're not going to be loved by their father. What if you lived that way? And, And not just knowing that you're secure in that identity, but there's a strength and a confidence when you know who you are. As a child of God. Jesus didn't come so you could be orphan children on this planet. He came so that you could know the the power of being chosen and selected by God. You're loved. And some of you, like back to unexpected, you're like, no, 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 no. God God loves other people but not me. That works for them but not for me. And you're like, no, 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 this, this good news couldn't be for me. You've disqualified yourself. And I want to say he chose you. He loves you. Tom, who goes by Sean, he loves you, brother. Don't ask. We met just first time here, I think. Everybody say Tom. Tom. Actually, say Sean. He loves you. You too, Joy. He loves you. And see, he calls you his own. And what if you lived in that every single day? I'm going to wrap with this. Is anybody a Marvel Universe fan? Anybody? Am I going to get any help here? Anybody seen the Black Panther movies, even if you're not... Okay, I'm going to get a little help. There is a scene in those, actually happens in both the Black Panther movies, that makes me want to get up and shout every single time it happens. I literally went and watched it this week, just for this moment, because I was sitting on the front row, and he was talking about your best days, you're a child of God, on your worst days, you're a child of God, and I thought of this scene. And here's what happened. So King T'Challa, actually Prince, Prince T'Challa, his dad dies. Tragic, I know. And he is going to be, crowned the king, but before he can be crowned king, he has to give every, all the tribes opportunity to challenge for the throne. And nobody challenged, nobody challenged, and then M'Baku. <laughs> he comes out and he challenges for the throne. And so as their custom goes, they have to battle in ritual combat to the death, or till someone surrenders. And so M'Baku and Prince T'Challa are battling. And they're fighting. And Prince T'Challa takes the upper hand. And then M'Baku takes the upper hand. And then Prince T'Challa, t- and then M'Baku just gets momentum and he starts beating them, pounding them down. And he's bleeding. And he's winded. M'Baku's got him on the ground. And you see the fear in Prince Tatala's eyes. You see the, the hopelessness beginning to set in. He's almost at the point where he's about ready to give up and, and give up the throne. He's rightly, he has a right to, but he's getting ready to lose it all and he's lost the fight. The momentum is completely against him and he's getting ready to quit. And then, from the sidelines, His mother says something, and it's one of those cinematic moments. 
and everything else fades away. And all you hear while he's laying on the ground about ready to quit is his mother shout from the side. Show him who you are. You know what happens? He's still on the ground, but you know what happens? In a blink of an eye, you see it in his eyes. The hope, strength comes back into his body. The fight comes back into his body. And he gets up and he begins to chant and tell him, I am Prince T'Challa. And he begins to fight. Who wins the fight? He is now King T'Challa. Why? 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 Nothing changed in the circumstance. He was still beat down, bleeding. But he remembered who he was. Some of you, the last year, several years for some of you, it has beat you down so much. You feel like you're bleeding. And you might have walked in here smiling, but... Some of you walked in hiding and covering some hopelessness, some heaviness, some loneliness, and you've forgotten entirely who you are. You're trying to do this on your own. And again, if you try to do it on your own, that means you've got to hold everything up. You've got to hold your family up. You've got to hold your business up. You've got to hold your job up. And you, you just have forgotten, and you might, even as you walked in here today, thought about giving up. Some of you, you almost didn't make it into the doors today. But you did. And I want to remind you that Jesus has given you the opportunity to move from darkness to light. That the greatest gift that anyone on this planet could ever receive is the good news. You don't have to be beat down. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to walk around in that heaviness. But there's good news. His name is Jesus. And that father in heaven looks down out of heaven and he says, she's mine. He's mine. And all, all he needs you to do is open your heart to receive that to believe the unexpected truth that he loves you just the way you are, that you can't mess it up. Now listen, to be clear, you can make a decision today and everything's gonna change. But you might wake up and go, to, go into circumstances tomorrow that are tough, that are hard, that you don't have solutions to. But just like Prince T'Challa down there on the ground, nothing changed, did it? What changed? He knew who he was. There was something on the inside of him that got stirred up. And see, if, when you remember who you are and you walk in that identity as a son, as a daughter of God, circumstances might not change instantly. I, I believe they will eventually. But you change. And how you navigate that changes. And so I just want to give you the opportunity. For some of you, maybe you need to receive that truth that you're a child of God for the first time. Maybe... Maybe you've never begun a relationship with him. And, and you walked in here feeling some of that heaviness, depression, the loneliness, the shame, the guilt, the isolation, whatever it is for you. I might not have named your thing, but you were carrying some stuff. 
And I want to tell you, you don't have to stay there. Allow Jesus to disturb your status quo. See, some of you have gotten in that place so bad that you've just accepted it. You've normalized it. You've acted as if there's no way out. And today God comes and he reminds you, no, there is. And his name's Jesus and he loves you. And you don't have to get ready. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to fix up. All you have to do is open yourself to receive. I had a client on a call this week and he said, the problem is when you say to do that, make that decision, Mark, it just seems too easy. And because it's easy, we diminish the value, the importance of it. And some of you, you, you could do that right now. You could be like, well, he said, just make a decision. Just believe. I mean, it can't be that simple. It's supernatural, guys. It's the God out of heaven coming down, sending Jesus to earth, and he can flood your heart and soul with a love and a joy and a peace that it doesn't even have to make sense in your circumstances. So why don't you bow your heads? Whatever you walked in here carrying, whatever that, maybe if you're honest, that little bit of darkness on the inside, that spiritual darkness, I want you to open yourself to the light of God shining on you today. He's shining. Now you can put the wall up and you can keep him at arm's length, but the light of God is shining on you. The voice of God is speaking to you saying, I love you. I've called you. There's purpose on your life. There's destiny on your life. Don't quit. Don't give up. Remember who you are. But you have to choose it. You have to receive it. And so this is your moment. Like, this is the moment where you get to make a decision that could change everything. Everything. Everybody's heads are bowed. We got some prayer team in the back. But this is you. This is you and him. And maybe you feel like the devil's coming after, attacking, attacking, attacking. Hey, hey, hey. Show them who you are right now. Show them you ain't got a battle. You just got to accept, believe, and receive the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. And so if that's you here today, God, I pray right now you give them courage to open their hearts to receive your love, your grace, the free gift of salvation. God, give them courage to believe that, that you went to the cross for them and to receive that truth. In Jesus' name. If that's you, every head's bowed, every eye closed, and you need to come home to Jesus, you need to believe that God loves you and he forgives you to begin a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus. You just wanna say yes to the love of God. That's what you're doing. When you raise your hand, you're saying yes to the love of God. On the count of three, just slip your hand up and I'm gonna pray for you. One, two, three. Just slip your hand up. See hands going up. A few hands already going up. Anybody else that needs to say yes to the love of God? Yes to the love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't delay. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. This is your moment. Now, some of you, you made that decision in the past, but you've ran from it, and you just need to say, yeah, I'm coming home, Jesus. I'm coming home. Is there anybody in that mode that on the count of three, you just said, yes, and I'm coming home. One, two, three. Coming home. Another hand going up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, four adults making the decision to say yes and come home. Yeah. Okay, 
I want everybody in this room to pray this prayer with them. Pray like it's the first time you prayed it. Some of you, it's a refresher, a recommitment. But pray this loud with those four adults that raise their hands. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for coming. For coming from heaven to earth so that I could know love. I believe that you went to the cross to die for my sins. And three days later, you rose again. I believe it. I receive now salvation. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are gone. I'm new from this day forward. I'm never looking back. I know who I am. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name. Woo! All of heaven's rejoicing. All right, last, like four people just gave their life to Jesus. That's what Christmas is about, people. Last thing, here we go. You're saved. You got a relationship with him. You're growing in him, but life has beat you down and you are pressed down and maybe you lost some hope. Maybe you lost some confidence and you just need to step into a reminder of who you are. Stand up, I'm gonna pray for you. There's power in knowing who you are. Listen, there is nothing more powerful than knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. God, I pray right now for every person standing in this room that they will not believe the lies of the enemy, that they will stand in a new confidence and a new authority as a son or a daughter of God. That when the enemy comes and he says those things, they're gonna, no, 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 I'm his. I walk in faith. I walk in the authority, my sonship, my daughtership in the kingdom. Devil, you have nothing over me. And God, I pray right now that a renewed, just even in a physical sense, God, a renewed strength and energy and joy. Your word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, renew and refresh, stir up the gifts of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them to walk in a new authority and a new identity, a new strength of their identity that's always been true. But today they've been reminded and they're gonna walk in it more than ever. And God, I give you praise for it in the mighty, 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 mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen. Look at somebody and say, you're a child of God. Just look at them. Tell them on their best days, on your worst days, you're a child of God.